Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 Writer, Foster Child Advocate, and this week, planning my own retreat after our talk with Jenny Remington, like making, making arrangements, booking things. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I feel bad because yeah, I got, I, I went, Ooh, I'm going to do this, do this. And then, well, I'll tell you what what I I usually do. Yeah. You'll understand why I haven't done it. Then I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today a weekend recoverer because I had my mom's 80th birthday my son's 13th birthday, daughter's SAT, homecoming dance, and it is just, it's yeah. Th- yeah, so that is why I have not planned my retreat, but after that weekend, I need a retreat. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and we are so excited to introduce y'all to Robbie Crawford. Robbie is a self-proclaimed transition queen. She is currently a life and career specialist with Ama La Vida and has mastered the art of the pivot throughout her career. Her biggest shift came early on when she discontinued her work as a domestic missionary, challenging her world and self-view, plus the added challenge of leaving the religious community that was all she had known. Starting from zero, it took years of self-exploration, discovery, and coaching sprinkled with a little therapy to assess and fill the huge crater that remained and build a life of joy, meaning, fulfillment, and contribution that she is vigilantly guarding today. She uses these life lessons to support her clients to find that just right lifestyle and discover their whole body hell yeah work life, which, okay. Oh my God. I I know. I was like, yep, I need to do that. (laughs) Rami lives in Georgia with her cutie patootie husband. And in addition to her coaching business, she partners with a nonprofit to coach homeless and foster youth and is a Zumba instructor and a yard addicted fiber artist. Love everything there. Welcome, Robbie. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm really excited to be here. I love having good conversations with cool people. Thanks. We like being described that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, I was going to say we learned a little about you in your bio, but we learned a lot about you in your bio, but only like the highest level of those things. So we'd love if you could give us a little deeper 101 about things that have impacted you along the way and how you got from where you started your career to where you are today as Coach Robbie. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here. really appreciate it. I didn't take a traditional path. I didn't when I graduated from high school, didn't go straight to college. At the time, there were more religious interests and focus. My mom had us directed in a different direction. And so I uh, served as a domestic missionary for about 11 years and worked part-time. My dad made me work full-time for a year before I went into that. And so I did that. And then after that, kind of moving through that process, I got to a point, probably, I would probably say quarter life, about 25, where I went into a really deep depression and I had no idea what was going on. I felt like I was doing everything that I really wanted to do. I was serving, you know, I have always had a servant's heart. I can think back to age eight, just volunteering, learning about different young people, anyone who I considered an underdog or someone who didn't have access was marginalized. I felt like I was always in that space. And I thought I was doing what I should be doing, but I was depressed. And at the time, an elder at the time in the congregation that I was a part of 
introduced me to the book, Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy, that introduced me to cognitive behavioral therapy. And I ate that book up like nobody's business. And I started applying some of those things and it shifted me out of that. But I didn't make a shift in my life at that time. I still continued. But I consider that a really big tug to kind of get my attention and let me think, hmm, am I really doing what I really want to do? So as time went on, I shifted from there and I ended up going down the line. I ended up going to college to get my degree as a non-traditional student. And when I was there, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. I've always been someone who has multiple interests. I have multiple interests and I felt like at the time it tripped me up. Folks would say, oh, that's career suicide. Pick a lane, stay there, do it, and do it, do it, do it. Sound familiar, Missy? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but that's not how I was wired, but I didn't understand that at the time. No. And eventually I came across one of Barbara Scher's book. Um, the title is I Could Do Anything If I Only Knew What It Was. Yeah. And it was a chapter that talked about folks like me, and she called up scanners. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Then in 2006, she came out with a book specifically targeting scanners called Refuse to Choose. That changed everything for me. I stopped thinking about myself as there was something wrong because I couldn't focus, but I was just wired differently. And so Mm -hmm. that meant that I needed to look at things differently. So anyway, that took me down a path. I had a challenging time trying to figure out what major. Started out with communications, wanted to go into HR. That didn't work. I wasn't feeling it. Went into human services, thought I would open my my own nonprofit. Same thing, wasn't feeling it. Psychology, same thing. And then sociology is where I landed. So I decided to get both degrees, undergraduate and graduate in that space, because that helped me to really understand my world better and understand me having come out of a community that I was so immersed in, I really wanted to understand the social aspects of that. And so from there, I started teaching at a local university, local community college, learned about professional coaching, really wanted to coach young people and help them to figure out what they wanted to do and got tired of hearing, I don't know why I'm here and I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, we need to really, really explore that. And so I wanted to have more deeper conversations with them. So that's where the life coaching came in. And then from there, I've just kind of been coaching, teaching, working in a nonprofit space, eventually learned about Orange Duffel Bags, started working with them in 2016. And I've just been doing multiple, a number of things in that space on that path since then. Wow. I mean, I love it. Don't you love it? I do. And I'm so curious. Was there anything I you know, at this crossroads you had at quarter life, was there a particular event or anything that precipitated that? Or was it just following this, this feeling that you were having and just taking that next right step for yourself? Looking back at it, I think that was the first big tug for me that I wasn't really in alignment in my life and that I wasn't Mm. doing what I really wanted to do. I felt like I was responding to a lot of what I should be doing. From, you know, family, from culture, from society. I just felt like I, again, I wanted to be at the time a good girl and do the right thing. And I think there were a lot of kids. And I think that was like the first big tug. I got another big tug that actually shifted things about, I don't know, 
I was 25. So I would probably say about 32, 33 Mm -hmm. is where that other big tug or maybe the brick upside my head. (laughs) Things are not in alignment here. You really need to do some deep explorative work here to get yourself going. And that's where I think the big shift and the big pivot happened because I, I left the marriage that I was in. I left the religion. I left all of that and started from zero. And that just took me into this really, I mean, I remember going to Sedona and having this soul adventure and all kinds of things, just really diving deep to figure out what was going on with me because I felt out of alignment, but I couldn't quite describe it or put my finger on what was happening. Oh, and I, of course, my next question was going to be like, how did that feel for you? And you're saying it was really hard <laughs> to put your finger on it. It was. It was really hard because I really wanted to explore. And I've always been super curious. Like I said, I've always had multiple interests. So I was a reader and I'd read so many different things. So I was on the path, but I think I took a deeper dive at that point because it was clear that there was, there was some shifting that was really happening for me. But it sounds like it was manifesting as kind of a a depression, you said, as far as how your body was telling you, your mind was telling you. And even at that seven-year point, like 25 and then about 32, 33, there was another depression. And those are the only two times where I've experienced that. Because again, I do believe looking back that it was just an attempt. Something was trying to get my attention. Right. Because I wasn't feeling like I was 100% present and aligned. And I don't know if we ever feel like that 100%, but I certainly wanted to get closer to that than, than what I was experiencing at that time. Yeah. 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 I like what you say about not being 100%, but you know when you're so far off of it, I think. Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. And I so connect to that. Like, just personally, I connect to that doing things because you should because you want to be a good girl and then having to deconstruct all of that. And Suzanne and I have both been in that in different ways, but that's part of what led to this podcast. And you talk a lot about the blind spots we have. And sometimes that stuff that's going on, like we don't really see it. We don't really understand. We are so entrenched in it that it is a blind spot for us. So can you talk a little bit about how we identify that and why that matters? I think it's important to listen when you feel out of alignment. And I think culturally, again, we're so conditioned to follow the should. I know one question I will often ask clients when we're talking about, you know, getting them started on the path to explore what they want to do next and some of the obstacles. And there's a word association exercise that I do with them related to work, success, and money. And so I say, okay, I'm going to use this word. And when I say the word, for example, work, what comes to mind? Feelings, thoughts, whatever. When we get to success, I often ask people, do you feel like you're successful? And what's your definition of success? And the definition of success is typically rooted in what we're told from a cultural perspective. And I want to hear what your personal definition of success is and when do you feel you're going to meet that. And when I ask the question, which is so interesting, I have had clients who have had degrees and done so many different things and they'll say, no, I don't really consider myself successful yet. And so I feel like there's this misalignment, but we don't know what to do about it. There's this internal conflict that we have 
or not sure how to reconcile or sift and sort through it to figure it out. And I think it shows up as depression. I think it shows yeah. up as discontentment. But you keep doing what you need to do because life doesn't stop for that. Right. It has to keep right. going. So yeah. you just keep going through the motions. And I think it happens mm-hmm. until at some point you reach a point where your body says, stop, stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to listen. Some may still not listen. And then that's where I believe, I have come to believe that we begin to see a manifestation of physical illness through some of that. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think we have to listen to listen to that, those messages when we'll see them out of alignment. And I feel like it's so, the best word I can think of right now is brave of you. Like all those, yeah. all those changes that you made, all those majors that you, you know, probably at the time it felt like you were flip-flopping or didn't have a path or just going willy-nilly or whatever, whatever sounded yeah. good. But I do feel like there was a bravery in actually listening to what was right for you. And what mm-hmm. holds back so many of us is the fear of what are people are going to do if we don't do the shoulds or what they're yep. going to think about us. And I'm curious how you have seen that manifest. I mean, you've obviously <laughs> dealt with manifesting that in your own life and moving through that, but with your clients and how we can really start to address letting go of some of that fear so we can listen to those those little cries for help from inside. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that reflecting back on that time, yes, it was hard. And I think I got to a point where I really had to make a decision. And just for a second, bringing a religious piece in it, I was so devastated and thought I was going to be just disappoint everyone. I would work all day and come home and just crawl in the bed and just watch television. I was numb. I was just numb going through the motions. And I got to a point where I felt like, God, I'm going to die if I keep doing this. Like I felt like inside mm-hmm. I was dead because I wasn't able to do what I really felt I wanted to do. I had made some decisions that put me in situations where I had made commitments and I was like, Ugh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take care of myself? And when I made that decision, I knew that I was going to have to start all by myself. And I had to talk myself into it and say, okay, you're starting from zero, but this time you're going to build it the way you want to build it so that you feel like you're being true to who you are and what you want to contribute in the world. And was it hard? Absolutely. And there was a time where I really did feel alone and I was pretty much told that I was alone. And so it was hard, but just slowly rebuilding, Mm -hmm. rebuilding my community, rebuilding my life, it just felt so good because I felt like now I knew what I was here to do. I knew where I wanted to go. Not 100% again, but at least I was on the path. Yeah. As you were saying that, I had this weird visual of like someone building a house, like a house on quicksand. And like, yeah. okay, yeah, it sucks. You got a house already, but you know, is it, is it really, <laughs> is it good for you? Is it safe? And yeah, it does suck to have to move over and, you know, build this new house over here, this new life over here. It's Gosh, know, and try to explain it to people who don't, not only do they not understand, but I'm imagining, and you correct me if I'm wrong, there were probably people in your life who just didn't want this for you because it upset the apple cart of their life. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a 
obviously folks who didn't understand. I lost, I mean, I, I lost my whole community, family, friends, yeah. everyone that I was used to. So there were a lot of folks that didn't understand and I didn't feel support, which is why I feel like when individuals are going through those kind of transitions now, to me, I'm so passionate about trying to provide that kind of support for individuals who are going through that because it's hard to let things go and start over. It's hard to change. It's hard to make a decision that's going to shift everything. And having experienced that, I feel like I'm more sensitive and empathetic to folks who are going through some of those really big transitions that they have to go through. Yeah. I know. I think I'm so guilty of making a change or starting that process, but not really articulating it and not because I don't like conflict at all. So I don't necessarily say I have been deconstructing my own faith and my own relationship with church for years now. But I haven't said really to the people in my life who need to hear that I'm deconstructing this. I'm just kind of doing a lot of, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, oh yeah, no, we're not really going there anymore. You know, and it's just, that's why we need coaches, I think is what I'm trying to get to in my rambling, but <laughs> it helps to have guidance through that because we don't really know how to do that on our own and to figure it out sometimes takes so much out of you, time health, all of that. So yeah. I just think your idea of this whole body, hell yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not there yet. How do you get clients to start getting there? I think when I start with them and, and now being a part of Amala Vida, I'm serving as a career and a life coach. Most of our clients come to us because they want help with shifting their careers. But clearly life isn't just about work. Right. And you have to include the life piece in there. And I certainly emphasize that. And for a lot of my female clients, as we're talking about navigating that path to the work that they want, their just right work. It's important to really look at the kind of lifestyle that you want first and how work fits into that. Because again, yeah. it's not just about work. And this generation I guess this generation Z that's coming up are teaching us that, yes, we really talk about work. I think they've had experiences with parents and grandparents who spent so much time working. And then they get to a point and they're looking at their lives and the connections and the social connections that they have, and they're not strong or maybe not there at all. And they want more. So during some of the coaching sessions, it's important, I think, to really look at what kind of lifestyle you want and the work that fits into that. And I encourage clients rather than to use the word work, to use the word word contribute. How do you want to contribute in the world? And instead of what's the next career, think about what's now or what's next, because most of us are going to shift and change. It also takes the pressure and the overwhelm off if you think what's next or what's now. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think I adopted that language being what Barbara Sher called a scanner. Um, I adopted that language. But one book that I oftentimes encourage my female clients to pick up, which I think is a good start, is the book by Helene Brenner. And it's called I Know I'm In There Somewhere, A oh. Woman's Finding Her Inner Voice and Living a Life of Authenticity. And it's a self-acceptance book. I have no idea, ladies, where I found this book. I have no idea 
you know, how it came to me. But when I read it, I bought like two boxes of these books. And it was probably like 2014, 2015. And I just started giving them away to clients that I had who were female because I felt like really understanding inner conflict, learning how to trust your inner voice and mm. turn down the volume on the outside voices is so important for us as women. And this book is such a beautiful way to introduce that process to women to really help them to figure that out. So it has a whole portion about the inner voice experience where it talks about the forgotten self and waking up to your inner voice. It talks about your, the mom voice, right? That's sometimes kind of <laughs> in our yeah. But, you know, it goes on to eventually talk about you, your relationship with your children and your marriage, et cetera. But it's a powerful, powerful resource that I have used and that has it really helped me. And I see how it really helps female clients to move towards self-acceptance instead of changing who you are, accept who you are, accept how you're wired. What a beautiful concept. I know. Did you see me? I was sitting here. I'm taking notes. It's so ridiculous that I take notes. You can tell when I'm really falling in love with an idea. I mean, because it's not like I'm not going to listen to this again when I edit it and when we broadcast it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This, I think, is this the first time in two years of doing these interviews that we've ever heard a coach talk about what kind of lifestyle do you want? And I don't, I don't know. It might be, or at least in those terms, like really thinking about that. I mean, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about helping guide our children through the big decisions they're about to make. Suzanne and I both have kids kind of headed towards that college. And mine just sat down the other day and said, I think that I've been going about this wrong. I don't think that's really what I want to major in. Suzanne's did the same thing. She sure did. And I think that's so age appropriate for them, but I want that to be life appropriate. Yeah. I want them to think about not just what degree do I want to go get, but what is the lifestyle I'm going for? Well, and that's so funny because I mean, I'm going to use my daughter as an example here because she's a artist, artist, artist. For the past year, we've been so like working on a portfolio. Well, we, she's been working on a portfolio. I just <laughs> no, drive her places to work on the portfolio, <laughs> just touring art schools, all this type of thing. But then a couple of weeks ago, she's like, you know what? I've really always just thought was so cool. It's physical therapy. And I was like, what? And I didn't mean to be like, what? Like, I didn't mean that, you know, because she's very talented in very many different ways. She's a good yeah. student to everything. So it wasn't that. It was just we were so focused on art that I was just like, okay. But her you thing just was, blew me she's away like, a little bit. like, I just love being in hospitals. Like, we mm-hmm. used to have to go visit her grandfather. Um, he had had a double amputation due to complications with diabetes and a lot of time in physical therapy when he got his prosthetic leg, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, she was pretty young then. And I, I, you know, people usually think of negative association with hospitals. Like, oh, I feel bad bringing my kid here because, you know, it's people always have this negative reaction. But we're saying I like that girl, when she gets a blood draw, she watches like I can totally see like (laughs) like the the medical and the science side of it is just part of her. And I do think that probably she didn't verbalize it that way about what kind of lifestyle do you want? But if she's like, that would really bring me a lot of joy to be in the environment of a hospital every day, 
or in this medical setting, which is not something artists necessarily get to do. So it's one of those things (laughs) that like, it's just a fun way to think about it. It's probably a little scary way to think about it too. You're trying to like build in your mind this make-believe life for yourself, but it's an interesting way of thinking about it instead of just like, I'm a really super good artist, so I should just do art. But you know, (laughs) if but if she's like, well, I don't want to be alone in my room, you know, sending out proposal or, you know, then there's a million different lives an artist could have. And there's probably lives mm-hmm. that artists could have in hospitals. But just piecing that together, if the lifestyle she wants to have is spending time in a hospital, okay, well, what skills do you want to put with that? Do you want to put the art skills or do you want to put medical skills? Like, and it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a fun framework to think of it. And I re- I love that. Yeah. I think creative work-life design it's such a powerful idea. It's so interesting how we can, and even today, there are some young people who will still fall into that traditional path. And it's because of their parents, that's what's comfortable to them, the traditional path of choosing what's available. And I often ask the analogy that you go to a salad bar and they have three things. Well, what if you want chickpeas if they don't have them? Are you going to ask for them? Are you just going to take what's there? And I say, ask for what it is you want. If you hear no, that's okay. But if you don't ever ask, you're not going to hear a yes. So that's the thing that I think what actually shifted me when I was teaching in the academic space and serving as an academic advisor for students. So many of them, why are you here and what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. Or I'm here because my parents are here. Or I'm here because this is how I'm going to make the most money. Like, Mm -hmm. I really want you to stop and think about what kind of lifestyle do you want and how is that work going to fit there? Where do you want to live? As time goes on, what kind, do you want to have a family? Do you not want to have a family? What do you, how much money do you want to make? Do you even know? And most people will pull a random number out without actually doing a cost benefits analysis and looking at what do I need and what do I want and where am I going to do this? So I always encourage them to think about first the who, what, and why first, then get to the where, when, and how. Uh, think about oh, oh, that's what, going on our that's, pillow, Missy. That's genius. <laughs> right? And so those deeper conversations with them, I wanted to talk about more than just what they were going to major in because their lives they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it led to some really, really good conversations, which again, yeah. just kind of picked off the whole coaching thing for me. I want to coach these kids and really help them get this lifestyle and work life thing down. Yeah. Because it's a, ideally, it's a long life and it doesn't have to be, you can be a scanner or you you can change whatever, whatever feels right at the time, but we're not taught how to do that. So that's why I love that you're doing this work because we really are taught, go pick a major, go get the degree. And I can remember my mom saying with the best of intentions, but what are you going to be with that degree? Why are you getting that? What are you going to be? And me going, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. I still don't know. Guess what, mom? I'm almost 50. Still not a clue. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And you can always pivot and change. You can. It's yeah. okay. And I think that's why I was saying it was so brave of you to do so many of those major changes. Because Missy and I talk about this, like we maybe had a couple of friends who changed majors or changed jobs or whatever through there. But we were like, oh, no, we chose this. And, you know, we've taken at least four or five classes that apply to this, this degree. We better just keep going. And I've, it just never even occurred to me. And now every single college 
tour that we've done with our daughter, everybody's like, oh yeah, everybody changes their degrees like four times. But I think we were just in a time and age where it really, it, I think we're probably all kind of in the Gen X uh, time period where mm -hmm. it wasn't, I don't think it was as common. So I'm just, mm -hmm. oh, you, <laughs> you're a, no, a trendsetter. It was like career suicide to jump around and try mm -hmm. to figure things out. But I feel like since I was small, I've always kind of thought of life as just one big experiment. And I think that that mm -hmm. served me well. And even to this day, when folks feel overwhelmed and they feel nervous about making the change, just think of it as an experiment. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Now you know not to do that again, yeah. right? Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of, you know, you're not so stuck. Well, what if I fail? What if it's not perfect, right? That's okay. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect. We're not. Instead of shooting for perfection, try excellence. Or better yet, shoot for authenticity mm -hmm. instead of perfection. <laughs> Did you just see my mouth drop? I know. I love that distinction. Excellence instead of perfection. It's so, they seem like synonyms. They are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I also love the way that you phrased instead of work, like, how are you going to contribute? That's a really powerful reframing because I do think work is all about like what you get out of it. <laughs> um, right. Well, you know, it's, right. A, right. it's what income is it? What right. is it going to put on my resume? You know, what connections am I going to make? Which are, I mean, none of those are not important. I mean, those are those are important things, but as far as probably what people are going to feel like fills them up, it's going to be the pieces that contribute or that they feel that are helping mm -hmm. others. So, are yeah, you where do you offer value, right? And we thought we don't have to explain it that way. Mm -hmm. Ooh, we we love talking about values and core values. Do you have a favorite core values exercise that you do with your clients? I do. Um, certainly at Amala Vida, it's a part of our career method process. But I also have, depending on the client, and how he or she processes the information or what their particular path is, I will typically take them. Steve Pavlina on his site, if you go to Google and type in Steve Pavlina, he has a value list of about almost 500. Now, that's a lot. That's, that's overwhelming. a lot. You encourage people to go and choose like core values. They're like, oh, oh these 50 are mine. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but James Clear, the Atomic Habits dude, right. also calls one and he has an exercise. And I think he may have about 50 on there. And so I've certainly used that as well. And he has another little exercise just to help folks to understand that, again, these non-negotiables are how you're making decisions. And are you honoring or dishonoring those values? When you dishonor them, you find yourself out of alignment and doing things that you may not really want to do. And you're saying yes to things that maybe you need to say no to. And mm -hmm. like the so when you're thinking about your values and those non-negotiables, those are going to help you make decisions. Maybe a great opportunity comes up, but is it the right opportunities for you at the right time in the right way? And the answer may be no. And can you let it go and stay true to your values if you see it's not in alignment or it's like, ah, oh, it's a great opportunity and somebody's telling me in my circle, it's a great opportunity. You're crazy if you don't take that. And so it's easy to kind of give into that, but mm -hmm. really understand what you value 
and whether you being in, a, in alignment and you're honoring your values by saying, well, you know what, that's probably not the best opportunity for me right now, maybe later, but Ooh. not like that. Okay, I'm going to do a selfish, uh, coach me, coach me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask for you. you yes, <laughs> there is a particular opportunity. I mean, uh-huh. it feels like somewhere in my brain, like I drew up the perfect job opportunity and like made it, I manifested it into the world. And it was funny because I shared the link with the, my little core friend group and they were all like, oh my God, like, did you write this? Like, (laughs) (laughs) but when I asked Missy about it, I was so impressed because she's like, this sounds like exactly the right job, but is it the right time? Because there is so much going on right now as, I mean, again, my daughter going to college and applying to college should not be necessarily on my to-do list, but I do find that it's, you know, we're taking her to certain things to help build out her portfolio. It's just, there are time commitments whether it's driving to an SAT or helping fill out certain forms, that type of thing. But then part of me is like, okay, I can easily see this, A, maybe not being the right time, or B, my own fear and self-doubt and the negative, like, I don't know, you're pretty rusty. I'm sure there's a hundred other people that could do that job better than you, like telling me that it's not the right time. So like, how do you how do yeah, you how do sift you... through those voices and those things going through your head? And they're like, is this really not the right job or the right time? Or is this just my tricky, tricky, mean self trying to talk me out of it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the battle of the inner wisdom and the inner critic. Bing, bing, yes. bing. <laughs> and uh-huh. I get in the race and they're fighting it out. I think it's about really tapping in. And so I would certainly encourage folks to get really silent take more walks and get silent and be able to feel the difference because no one can tell you what that voice is for you. I think we, through practice and learning how to listen more, turning down all the noise around the should. And when you're paying attention to the language that you're using, are you hearing a lot of shoulds in that language? But shoulds, I think sometimes are interesting I should be doing this. I should, why should I be doing it? Who said I should be doing it? When should I be doing it? Okay, if there are a lot of shoulds here, then maybe this isn't mine. Is it yours or is it someone else's? So being able to really tap into that inner voice and know it. I go back to the book that I mentioned. I know I'm in there somewhere because she has so many beautiful, a couple of beautiful chapters in there that kind of lead you through this whole process of, knowing what your inner voice is or inner wisdom, she calls it something a little different versus the inner critic. The inner critic is really just, to me, going to beat you up. It's going to tell you all the things that, you know, uh, it'll call up fear. It'll call up, um, you know, things that, I don't know, it just causes you to question your worth, your value, et cetera. Whereas your inner wisdom always believes in you, always knows that you have something to offer, always knows that you bring to the table. And then really looking at the circumstance and the situation, because obviously there are other people that are involved when you're making your decisions to make sure that it's the right timing. But I think it just takes a little time and practice for all of us to really tap into that inner wisdom so that the decisions that we're making are really in alignment. And the truth is, if you don't take an opportunity, does that mean that there will never, ever, 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 ever be another opportunity available for you? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that. 
so there will be conditioned out. though to be like yeah that like, was my like, one chance oh, this is it i have to take this castle and not and that's not that's not true yeah well that is also a helpful reminder in case i do go for it and don't get it <laughs> so that that's a helpful right. thing to remember on both sides of the equation so yes I see, and I think I, I certainly believe in attraction principles and manifestation. Yeah. And I think that when things are are right and it's the right timing, I think it will. And if it's not, I think it'll show up perhaps in a different way that's even better going forward. I like I'm that. that. Oh. And now we talked a little bit about the things that we are contributing to the world and I just want to point out, so we're so grateful for your work coaching kids experiencing foster care. Oh. Missy is a CASA, a court, what are they called? Court appointed? Court appointed special advocate. Special advocate who works directly with foster kids. And I'm on the board of a company called, or a nonprofit called Caring Hope, which provides hope packs for kids who are entering foster care. It's like necessity and comfort items to get them through that first few days. And really curious what, what pulled you into this work and what is that role about? Talk about opportunities showing up. In 2015, when I decided to leave academia and no longer teach in that space, and I went on my, out on my own, and I got in, kind of set things up and got a space, and I was working in collaboration with a small community of women, and there was a coach there that was, she had been a coach with Orange Double Bag for a while, and she, three times she said, you need to pay attention to this and talk to them about it. First time, I just kind of set it aside. Second time, third time, she was like, you need to talk to them. And I had a conversation and it was instant connection. It was instant. Yes, let's do it. So I started as a volunteer advocate, eventually began to contract with them as a coach. But I loved their mission and I loved that they wanted to tap into and support teens and young adults and help coach these kids who had experienced foster care and homelessness and also low-income situations to help them to, again, identify what their ideal lifestyle is, help them to understand that, yeah, you can go to college if you want to, because so many of them had been told, I mean, what's what if a parent tells you, you're going to be dead at 25 anyways, but what does it matter? Can you imagine a parent telling a kid that? And oh. when you hear that, I mean, nothing shocks me anymore that, nope. <laughs> that I hear <laughs> that nope. some of these young people will tell me about a family situation or a situation that they'll find themselves in. And some of, the, some of these situations and circumstances are quite tragic. But it's, I love being able to be in the space to work with them and help them, you know, talk about financial readiness talk about values because a lot of them no one's ever asked them what their core values are even help them understand what value things how do i make this right what is that like help them to understand what it would be like to take an assessment of their life and go through you know 10 different categories like a life wheel or an education wheel and look at these different areas really like i can split my life into these different categories and assess and then work on these categories have smart goals and achieve them and go to college. So it's been really rewarding to be a part of this program. And we coach not only as groups and we connect with colleges around the city in Atlanta, because it's actually home bases here in Atlanta, Georgia, but 
over COVID, we had done a pilot where we were able to work with kids one-to-one, in particular uh, college students, one-to-one via Zoom, and coach them personally. And that has really just taken and broadened our reach. So now we're nationwide. We can coach young people who, are, who have experienced foster care around the country and just help them navigate college. Because college is hard. The first year is hard. A lot of kids drop out first year. Yeah. They haven't really been primed and prepped from high school to college. And a lot of them have a hard time and they end up dropping out. Uh, just having a hard time. And then on top of that, all of the challenges that they have around living in group homes, et cetera. So it's been very rewarding. And I feel like that position and that opportunity grabbed me and called mm-hmm. me. I didn't yeah. know I was looking for it, but it called me and she kept at me, call these people. Yeah. And when I did, it was like, how did I not know about you all? How did <laughs> I not doing this? This is amazing. Uh, and what's the name of the company again, just in case people want to donate? The Orange Duffel Bag Initiative. The and absolutely, check it out. The Orange Duffel Bag Initiative, they've been around. We celebrated 10 years last year, 2021 or 2020, uh, 10 years of working with these young people um, have helped over 1,500 young people that have gone through the programs. They get an orange duffel bag. They go through this 12-week coaching program with all of us as coaches just to give them, again, a, a, help them to lay a really strong foundation. And what they do with it, obviously, is up to them. But we do our best to really support them and let them know ongoing that they're a part of Team Orange and that they can reach back. And I have students who continue to reach back even after I've worked with them and they've moved on. Oh, I I could not love that more. I am terrible at regurgitating statistics, so I won't even try. But what I have learned about what happens to kids as they age out of the foster care system is mm-hmm. gut-wrenching because there are a lot of resources available. There are many mm-hmm. paths they could take but most of these kids a they don't want to be in any kind of system anymore they're done and i get that and b they no one has talked to them about what do you want your life to look at what are your values any of that like they just don't have the tools in any mm-hmm. way and it's devastating so i love that you're doing it this is. it is we were just meeting uh earlier this week among the education advisory boards of that organization as well and we were kind of talking through creating an alum uh, program mm-hmm. for those who have gone through the Orange Duffel Bags pro, uh, program. And we really want to reach out to them to let them know that there is help and support. Because true to your point, statistics show that a lot of these young people could easily end up on the streets and end up homeless. Yeah. And so we don't want that to happen. There's so many resources. Take advantage of them. Reach out to adults who can be able to help you to build networks and find jobs, et cetera. Anyway, I could go on. I'm very passionate. Oh, oh well, yeah. Love, love that so much. And I feel we like we could have a whole episode just dedicated I know. to that. We actually did do an episode <laughs> a few months back all about the foster care systems and uh, things that you can do for foster kids in Austin. Um, and actually, I wanted to point out there because Carrying Hope, one of the things I'm now on the subcommittee for a shelter that they are doing for girls who are aging out of the system. So we'll put a link uh, to more information about that in the show notes because there's a ways that people can donate and contribute. And then we'll do the same thing for your organization yeah. if people want to donate and contribute there as well. 
and then we're closing in on the end of our time. I and I know. Hate it. That and went I hate too it. fast. That went yes. too it fast. Went so well, really fast. <laughs> really fast. Before we go and jump into some quick look, look listen, learns, do you have anywhere for um, our listeners to find you? Where's the best place to track you down? Well, you can find me at the Amala Vita website. I'm a coach there. You can look at my bio. If you decide that you want to work with me, we can set up a company, a consult, so you can get to know me a little bit better and understand my philosophy and approach. And if it's a match, if it's a fit, I'd love to be a coaching partner. That would be awesome. Wonderful. Fantastic. All right. Well, we're going to do look, listen, learns, and it's just a few minutes for us to share things that we're reading or learning about or Maybe it's a product, might be amazing, might be silly. We run the <laughs> gamut and we do not like our guests to go first. So Suzanne, tell us what you are look, listen, learning. Okay. Well, I'm looking at, I'm reading, rereading, um, We Should Get Together. Kat is going to be our guest. When this airs, I think it'll be the following week after this. And I just love, love, love this. It's all about figuring out friendship at any age. Just basically the idea that adult friendships are really hard to cultivate and manage and nurture and just to even get it in the first place. And so, so excited. I've heard a couple interviews with her in the past and we are getting together with Kat. That is, we should get together. Um, so excited about that. I just think it's really important. We've, we've, it's a subject that's come up within a lot of episodes, but I don't think we've ever dedicated a full episode to mm-hmm. the complexities of midlife friendships. So looking forward I'm to so excited. that one. I know I'm excited. Um, and let's see, listening to, this is kind of fun. Oh, shoot, I forgot to bring it in with me. I'll, I'll put a picture of it online. Spoon, the band, who's from mm-hmm. Austin, incidentally, yeah. um, their video, Don't You Ever, they had this little yellow robot thing that would dance along with the music and they would carry it all over Tokyo and people would interact with this little robot. And we actually have one. I meant to bring it in here with me, uh, the little bouncy thing. And it was so funny because it was when the summer we were living with my mom in Idaho when our Seattle house was getting remodeled. My daughter was, she was just turning two, the one who's going to college right now, just turning two. Yeah. And she would watch this video and she loved it so much. And it was her favorite album. Even when she was a baby, Chris used to have this I'm a dancing baby <laughs> song that he would do to the beat of one of their songs. And it's so funny now because she loves Spoon and she's really excited they're coming to ACL. And like, it's, it's just so fun to just think this entire lifetime of this arc of music love. Um, it's so fun. So then listen to some Spoon. We'll put some links yeah, to some of our favorite albums. Some spoon. And my learn is that Maddie's, which Kristen had recommended for my mom's 80th birthday brunch. I mean, I had to get those reservations. I had to like refresh, like I was getting Beyonce tickets or something, trying to get those brunch reservations, but it was so worth it. You would not even know this place exists in the whole Mm -hmm. world, let alone just kind of tucked into some random neighborhood in central Austin. Best biscuits I've ever had. And um, the bacon was so good that it broke my son's two-week vegetarian streak. He decided (laughs) he threw it in the towel. That's so cute. Yes. And so, yeah, that is my look, listen, learn for the week. How about you, Robbie? Well, my look, I am currently reading Already Free Buddhism Meets Psychotherapy on the Path to Liberation. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh Yes. 
It's so delicious. I can't read a whole chapter. I have to read like a couple pages at a time and then like put it down and just kind of like mentally munch on it and really also marinate about it because it's just, it's just so rich and it came right at the right time. So mm. I'm really enjoying this. Um, and I'm usually reading multiple books until I touch on my scanner. So I'm always reading multiple <laughs> That's me too. It kind of rises to the top. What I'm listening to, um, I love Tim Ferriss' podcast and Adam Grant's podcast, but I've also learned a lot about um, or been introduced to Debbie Millman's podcast, Design Matters. I think she's got one of the oldest podcasts out there. She's been doing it for so many years, and she talks to a lot of creatives, and I just love her interviewing style. This woman is the most prepared interviewer I have ever heard. Her research is just off the charts. The way she interviews folks is just amazing. So Debbie Millman and her uh, podcast is called Design Matter. She's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and what I'm learning, I am currently going through a fashion design course. The Center of Excellence and Center is C-E-N-T-R-E. So centerofexcellence.org. They have multiple courses. So I wait for sales and I buy about three or four at a time. And so courses on everything. Like I bought a course on tarot cards. I bought a course on fashion design. I bought a course on all different kinds of things. So if you're interested in just exploring different things, really cool. I think most of them are about $150 or uh-huh. less. So sales are about $30. But yeah, so I'm diving into the fashion design course right now. Yeah. I love that. Talk about things for scanners. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh, you'll want to buy everything. <laughs> I mean, and they just continue to expand their curriculum around what they do. It's got modules and you can go through and, you know, do the little quizzes and things. And you actually get certified in or get a, a little diploma in that particular area. But the topics are wide ranging. You'd be amazed at what you'll see there. If you go, I bet you both of you will find at least two or three things that you're like, oh. I that, want to take that. That's that awesome. is so cool. So would that be an so interesting thing for students to... to do? Like, would that be oh like, oh, there's a physical therapy <laughs> one that my daughter yeah. wants. Yep. I oftentimes encourage clients to go there if they're interested in something. I'm like, it's a little tiny investment. Mm-hmm. Going, like I had a client who was interested in, in interior design. It's like, oh, I don't know. Should I, should I not? Like, you know what? Get the course, take it, see what happens. Really feel it. Like, think about how you feel emotionally, how it feels in your body. If you're excited, keep going. If you're not, you haven't lost anything. Okay, I'm writing that down again. Okay, so it's Sandra yeah. like the French thing. Center. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think it's actually based in the UK, actually, but it's oh. got courses across the board, hobbies and more professional courses. Check it out. It's and amazing. it's Center of what? Excellence. Center of Excellence. Of Excellence. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. so right. are we gonna have like a robbie designed by robbie fashion line we get to buy from soon <laughs> <laughs> that was the early aspiration that i had to do that so i'm kind of going back full circle and then my favorite artist thing i did a chance to do a lot of skating so that's fine that is another major, again, looking at all the schools my daughter was mm-hmm. looking at for art, the fiber arts and stuff was something I didn't even know existed. But I, so of course I peek through at all the pages and stuff. It's so fascinating. I can see why you enjoy it so yeah. much. There's a Ooh, Melissa yeah. Stevens, who's a famous fiber artist. And I only know that because one time years ago, I Googled myself and she <laughs> came up, not me. 
<laughs> darn it she does beautiful work though so now i kind of follow along with her it's like my poor brother michael lewis when he's a sports writer just like the super famous mike michael lewis <laughs> no, oh, no yeah. fair like he took my name <laughs> <laughs> all right missy what about you you look listen learning um yes i have a really silly look like when I get stressed, which I have been this week, and I feel like I'm just up to my eyeballs, I have realized this about myself. I go really retro. I want to watch something that I am familiar with, that I know. It's just no stress, no surprises, nothing. And um, one of the streaming apps, I think it was Hulu, I think, I'll confirm for the show notes, but um, suggested the Bob Newhart show to me. And I was like, oh, God, I love, I love their apartment. And I remember as a kid loving their apartment. So I'm like, I'm just going to hang out with Bob Newhart for a few days and visit the apartment. And what I would really love to find, or I guess I'm watching, yeah, I'm watching the Bob Newhart show where he's the psychiatrist in Chicago. I would love to find Newhart where they're the inn owners in Vermont, but it's not streaming anywhere. Oh, oh it's not. I used to watch that. Yes. I just has, in case somebody's seen it, I won't spoil it, but it has the greatest show like final episode of any tv show ever oh the new heart vermont and he was one. married to suzanne plachette right yeah that's who yeah. i'm named after <laughs> is it she's I so i mean she's so sexy her husky voice I, and yeah so, i don't so have that i just got the name it's not even spelled right i got the name i wonder if that's why my mom wanted to name me suzanne because you know i was almost suzanne maybe um, you know the best part of the new heart show well not the best but it even at a young age it made me laugh so hard at the very end you know how they have well usually they don't have the mgm like lion yep. roaring yeah. and it was just a picture it was a little orange tabby cat and it oh. would open its mouth but bob newhart <laughs> would say meow like so it wasn't even the cat meowing it yes. was bob newhart saying meow oh wow. my god i just thought that was taking the... me back oh, that was i mean a... we i went in the way back machine this week but it has been a lot of fun and i don't feel compelled in any way to like binge the whole series it's just like fun go just watch a, a few episodes nibble. and just a yeah, little nibble. and then my learn is that we did an episode talking about creating your own mini retreat i felt really convicted that i needed to figure something out because i have been in that feeling place of like there's just so much coming at me and I'm processing a lot of things, but I'm not actually fully processing them and doing anything with them. So I've been, I'm fed down a million bunny trails and in the process have decided I might actually pay and go on a real retreat mm. out of town. And in addition to creating some mini retreats for myself. So I've been like on a thousand websites looking, but I have found one that's for women and writers, but also has like a physical health aspect to it. Ooh. I will share it in the show notes. Um, I think I might go. We've so got crazy. those dates that we had Aren't to cancel for Irma. Oh, yeah, I know. I did start by looking at those dates. But part of the reason I canceled Irma is that I just can't go anywhere right then. Like yeah. Getting out of town would be horrible. Um, so this one's in early December, which sounds like bad timing. But on my calendar, it's actually one of the best times to sneak away for a few days. So. Oh, my God. I'm so okay. I cannot wait to see this progress. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes because I'm sorry. I did not write it down and bring it here. I cannot remember the name of the organization, but it's like <laughs> Summit. Something I'm summit. sure they're so legit. The here, we'll just leave a little blank here and then you can do an audio thing and I'll put it in. <laughs> yeah. So you say, like, say it is blah, blah. called the and then blank. <laughs> it's called the. There you go. <laughs> I'll edit it in. <laughs> you can edit it in a robot voice. Yeah, you could be like, it is the, this corporation. 
<laughs> Do it like the Bob Newhart voice. <laughs> Meow. Oh, right. oh my gosh. You guys, right. I'm so proud of us. I told I you I had a deadline and we honored my boundaries of my deadline. I'm so I cannot tell you that. the pressure I felt. I actually have to go write a court report. Oh so my god. I gotta hop off too. All right. Well, it was great to meet both of you and have a conversation. One of my favorite things in the world to do is to converse with people who like to have good conversations. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. It was our pleasure and so glad to know you. And so glad to know you're out there doing so many cool things, especially for those foster and kids experiencing homelessness. Mm. Really appreciate it. Yep. Absolutely. And thank you for the podcast. I'm going to be listening every week now. All Yay, right. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> All right. You take care. All right. Y'all have a good afternoon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.